Hey, what's going on, Internet? This is Andrew with Ancient Ways for Modern Days. want to take a moment to say thank you for listening and participating in all the great content that we put out. Now, it being August, Mike and myself, we are on vacation, we are doing some traveling, but we wanted to make sure that you still had great content to point you to the Lord. So, what we have done is that we looked through our library of podcasts, and we're bringing to you one of our favorite series that we did a couple years ago. What you're going to be listening to now is going to be a recording we did a couple years ago about the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. When we did it, we thought it was incredibly edifying, and we hope that you find value in it today. Thanks for listening. Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 54 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. Mike and I are here getting ready to just just talk and chat and talk about the resolutions resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. We're sitting up here in the temperate northwest weather. Yeah. You know, it's nice seeing uh, the concrete. Yeah. Again. The snow is mostly melted. Yeah. So how did you how did you handle snowpocalypse last week? Well, up here in the northwest it was not too bad. We're yeah. up on the hill, so we we spent 2 days not going anywhere. Uh, partially because I don't have my truck. It's in the shop and, and I don't want to drive my friend's car out in the icy snow. <laughs> but uh um we had a great time, man. Kids had fun. We did some sledding. We did some major snowball fights. We uh, we had a good time. We're paying the price for it now, or at least my kids are, because oh, yeah. uh, you know the dog would go out and do its business, and the kids didn't clean it up. And so uh -oh. now as the snow is melted, there is a uh, landmine field of uh, dog presence in our front yard. And so <laughs> leaving this morning, now that the snow is cleared, I, I messaged Jessica. I said, hey, Jess, guess what the kids get to do today? <laughs> They get to handle some business they today. They get to get out there and do all that. And so we had a good time. How about you? It was good, man. So honestly, I, th I think we mentioned in the last podcast as we were anticipating the snow. I uh, I don't do well with cold. I cannot, not not anymore. I, I, I get I don't have the circulation stuff. So I wasn't like excited to go out there. I think it'd be different if I had like a family or things like that. But I was like, ah, I'm just gonna work. I had some other things I'm working on. So I was just gonna. I went to the store. I bought like a bunch of cans of soup. And I was just like, this is going to be soup weather. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. And I hunkered down, just got started getting ready for uh, a test I'm working on. And also, we're, we're working on a new church website, mm -hmm. something I was working on. Well, then the kids from the youth group were all like, hey, we want to like, we want to do some stuff out snowball in fight. the snowball fights and all that stuff. And the youth leaders wanted to. So we ended up doing that. And that was, that was super fun. We, that was before uh, it iced over. Yeah. So that was yeah. like the first day of snow. It was and, the fresh. And it, yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Fresh stuff. We came to that. I had a great time. Yeah, I thought it was cool that our leaders came together and uh, made snow cones and did all sorts of other stuff. And got to hang out with the kids, which was crazy to me because that was the first night it like really snowed. And then the very next day when I walked back over to the church, there was like no sign anyone had been there because it just – it snowed back over. Yeah. And uh, it was it was thick. How many, how many inches did you get? Um, I mean – Overall, mm -hmm. I, maybe 10. I don't know. Okay. Because, you know, we used it and then it snowed more and all that. And, you know. Yeah. Quite, quite a bit of snow, though. We we got a lot. 10. I I, I wouldn't surprise me because you, you live higher than I do, like 10 to 12 inches probably. Because by the time I went out, I measured. I measured on top of my brother's car because I hadn't driven anywhere. And we had like four inches. And I was like, that doesn't seem right, but okay. And then I got yelled at on the internet. <laughs> like, that's like, what people do on the internet. Yeah, that's what they do. And they're they like, yell at you. You, you don't you don't measure on top of a car because the wind blows it off. Well, you gotta go measure the ground. So I'm like, okay, I don't have children, so I can go measure my yard, and then <laughs> <laughs> and so it, you know, fresh snow. And by that time, we had eight and a half, nine inches is what yeah. is what we had. So fun. 
Yeah. Well, I sure enjoyed that snowball fight. Um, I, I I told a few people I think I'm kind of meant for snowball fights. Oh, you yeah, because I I know how to throw a ball. Okay, and I realized a lot of kids in our youth group do not know how to throw a ball. That's and true. So yeah, I, I gave them a little bit of a clinic. Like, here's how you throw a ball. Here's how you make a snowball. Here's how you use your body weight to throw. It was, it was kind of fun, and uh, but also you know they they try to tackle me and. I'm, you know, I was a wrestler in high school a little bit, and so uh, they didn't realize that I'm the double threat when it comes to snowball fights, man. <laughs> so did, did any of the girls take your little like pitching clinic? No, but there's a girl in youth group that was has been on a softball team that I've, okay. I've coached. And so I was like, you guys got to learn to throw. And she's like, I already do. And you know, okay. so it was kind of fun with her. So later, like when, when the kids are getting picked up by their parents and stuff, I was out there. Uh, I was testing. I was, I was seeing if salt would do anything for us as a church because we we're hoping to be open. And so I was salting the the parking lot, and uh, one of the girls decided to throw a snowball at me, and it pegged me right in the eye, Ooh. like just like my eye was not closed. It hit, hit me right in the eye, and uh, it was one of those moments where my anger flared up, and then uh. I think about the context of where we're at, and then went back down. And she's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." And I'm like, it, "It's fine." And she's like, "I didn't actually think I'd hit you in the face. Like I was aiming for it." <laughs> But I think it actually hit you in the face. And I was like, well, good shot. You know, we, uh, with our kids, I told the kids before they got out of the car, I said, okay, listen, here's the deal. Snowball fights. You will get hit in the face. You will get hit in the ear and you will not get mad. Yeah. If you're going to get out there and you're going to play, just reckon it's part of it. It's part of it. Yeah. And, and our goal is not to take revenge. Our goal is not to be nasty or mean. We, you need to be playful in everything you do here or, or choose not to participate. Yeah. Right. And cause I remember being that age and yeah, and things know. escalate quickly they and, uh, <laughs> and it turns into fights and like rolling around in the snow yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Actually, I enjoyed watching, uh, your youngest son, uh, we, cause they built, they built like that ramp for the sledding and he, he went over there and was like, I don't need a sled. We and he just laid down and just, just like, belly rolled. He just belly rolled all the way down. I was like, ah, that works. That's fine. So yeah, man, that was good. How's, how's the rest of the week been last, this last week you, uh, you preached on, um, Loving your parents. Mm-hmm. I actually heard a really good response from that. I, my brother and I had a good discussion from that. Have you heard anything from anyone else? It, it's weird when you don't get to preach to a room, right? You, yeah. You preach to Stephen and myself sitting mm-hmm. in it, and I wasn't, I was half listening. I was working on our website. So. Yeah. yeah. So we pre recorded. We saw the weather coming. We recorded yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. And just we could go today, yeah. made sure that it was done um, in case the snow was bad. And then it was. And so we just did the live stream, and it came off. The presentation was fine. I was, you know, it, it's, it's not fun preaching to an empty room. Um, but the content, I mean, God's word is just really amazing. Mm-hmm. And we, we talk about being a church that builds strong families. And so whenever we talk about not just children obeying their parents and, and honoring their parents and what that means, because um, we looked at the Old Testament and the New Testament, but also parents not aiming their children at wrath, mm-hmm. not provoking their children to anger. Man, I, I just, <clears throat> I've talked to a few dads in particular and parents as a whole, mm-hmm. That um, it's convicting, mm-hmm. it's challenging, but there's also a lot of hope. I, I got one email that said, hey, I was mad the entire sermon till the end, and I realized God's not done with me yet, wow. and there's still hope. And he said, in short, thank you. But, it, you know, because it's hard. Parenting is, is very emotional. We, we want to be good parents. We want to raise our kids well. We want to raise them in the Lord. And yet, you talk about getting pegged in the eye. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're a parent those kind of emotions that you, you experienced in that moment, yeah. they're a regular occurrence. 
And as parents, you're learning. You feel that, that rage come oh, up yeah. and then you oh, got to yeah. let it go down. Okay. Because you're dealing okay. with the selfishness of children <clears throat> and you, you, you got to humble yourself continually. You've got to remember your goal mm-hmm. and, um, and it's a challenge and sometimes we do great and sometimes we fail. And so there's always this tension in your life as a parent of how am I aiming my kids at the Lord? You know, I, one thing I really appreciated about your message as I was listening is the, the idea of like, I don't remember if it was something geared towards dads or was it just, just parents in general, but like, you know, your, your kids need to hear you praying for them. Your kids also need to hear you apologize mm-hmm. once in a while. And that's speaking as an adult child now. Um, it was weird. Like, I, I think the first time my parents ever apologized to me, I was a teenager. It was after years of just fighting with them. And one time, like my mom apologized to me and all of a sudden it just, it changed the plan, like the, the battlefield. It didn't feel like a battlefield anymore. Then it suddenly felt like we were together and like, it, it was okay that she makes mistakes. I'm like, you know what? I, all of a sudden I could see you're trying your best Yeah. and you're a human and I, I, I need to submit to your authority, but it, it made it okay to have discussions as opposed to like this arrogant or this, sometimes it feels like it's just egos yeah, just colliding yep. with one another. And if one person, especially the one with power mm-hmm. acts like they've never done anything wrong and when they do something wrong, they don't make it right. Mm-hmm. That, that really creates tension in the home. Yeah. So I, I bring all this up and I, I appreciated the message. I, if you're listening now, I would strongly suggest watching it. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on our Facebook. It's actually on this podcast too if you actually it should be released it's the episode right before this episode Mm -hmm. if you want to take a listen to it i it speaks to me mainly because you know our mission statement is building strong families that's right that is that resonates with me man i i myself we've talked about we've come from not the best of backgrounds and we want to see just better future generations get stronger and better and just cling to the lord that's right and uh i I love the message. That's amazing. That, that, that is the, uh, Paul makes the statement that this is the first commandment with a promise. Mm-hmm. That you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And for us, we're not looking to live in long in the land of Canaan. I made that point. But we, this does provide a promise that overall, generally speaking, life works better when you do things God's way, especially in the home. Yeah. So when you build a home on the word of God and on the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, doesn't mean you're going to live for 80, hundred years, but it does mean the, the kind of life you will live will reflect his grace and his love. And there, there's no better life than that, man. Amen. So that's cool, man. Hey, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. We've been hitting hard, uh, life groups lately. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to, I, I know we're relaunching life groups. I, I, I've gotten to relaunch mine on, on Tuesday nights, uh, it looks like we're starting to open up some new ones too, right? Like, do you know anything about this, this chosen one that's starting this, this weekend? Yeah. So, um, this, you'll be listening to this on Monday, but last night we had our first gathering for the chosen, um, which is a, a kind of a, an entry level life group. Okay. The idea is a lot of people, they, they just, you know, busy and all that. Maybe you're not going to commit to a, you know, six months of a life group, but for eight weeks, um, one of our leaders, Mike, he's, uh, he's leading a group. And basically they're going to show up, they're going to watch an episode of The Chosen. And if you haven't heard about it, it's a kind of a, a crowdfunded um, version of, of filming the, the New Testament story of Jesus. Okay. And, okay. Um, 
And, you know, I, I guess a few cautions is it, it's not saying this is exactly how everything happened perfectly. By and large, they stick fairly close to the scripture. Um, you know, you probably shouldn't let this replace your Bible reading. I'll watch the chosen. I don't have to read the gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that. That's not the intent. This is yeah. meant to be a, a way to get you thinking and in, interacting with ultimately with God's word. And so the, the, for eight weeks, they're showing one episode a night and they're inviting people to come and gather. They're going to have, uh, you know, um, tables spread out and all that. So people can come and they yeah. can be social distanced and for whatever level of comfort you're looking for in that you you'll have it. They're going to have people with their, the protective gear, passing out popcorn mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of making a fun time of it. And then after the, the showing of the episode, which are 35 to 45 minutes, I think they're just gonna have a little conversation, yeah. you know, like what, what, what do you think about this situation or this scene or, or how do you think this might've played out differently? And you know, how does God's word mm-hmm. apply to you here? And so it's kind of, Kind of a cool way to, to jump in and, and connect with people. That's cool. I didn't realize that The, the Chosen was a crowdfunded uh, project. I actually really like crowdfunded projects because typically if you have a big studio behind a production, they, they usually have a bent. They have a market. They have There's a lot of marketing and strategy and uh, creative license mm-hmm. to, to, to try to sell a product as opposed to just to tell a story. Crowdfunded things typically – from like an artisanal standpoint, like typically they're pretty true to an author's intent. That's right. And so that's pretty good. Not to say that this is going to be hundred percent biblical, no, like not. you're saying, but if there is someone who wants to tell the story of scripture without like a big Hollywood agenda behind it, that, that this is going to be, it's going to be that. So that's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it is cool. So, you know, so that's a life group. If people want to jump in that way, um, you know, there are life groups meeting in person. There are life groups meeting online. And so we're just saying, Hey, we, we need to connect. Mm-hmm. We need to be growing together. And so if you're listening to this and you're interested in any level in being part of a group, now's really a great time to, to jump on. And maybe it's with the chosen group. Maybe it's with a different group. Yeah. We've got our survey linked to this podcast yep. and you can, you know, fill that out. That's basically your way of raising your hand and saying, Hey, I'm interested. Help me find the right group. Oh. So Mike, as we kind of start with this episode, our, we're, we're, we're going to be looking at character, I guess, as we transition into this. What, what, what do you think, how, how do you think character plays a role in our culture today? I think we don't use the word character as much as we used to. I think we use things like brand and not to, not to the same extent. I think we use reputation mm-hmm. and things, but I'm interested to, to look at this conversation because we're at a point now where it feels like people don't really pay attention to their character. They live hedonistically. They live by what feels right. And then when, when their character is called into question, they get really mad about that kind of stuff. And now we're going to be looking at someone who intentionally wanted to say, this is the character that I want. This is what I want to be known for. Yeah. I mean, we look in the world and, and you know, we can look at the world and we can look at the church. But when we look at the world and the idea of character, I think most people, they, they, if they do something wrong... They just hope that it gets forgotten soon enough and they keep moving forward. And, and there's not really an intentional, like, how do I make this right? How do I grow in my character? Um, we live in a world that wants to use people's failures, their character failures to just, you know, trash them and cancel them. Mm -hmm. Right. And oftentimes there's a lot of hypocrisy in that, like, oh, you did this wrong and I did virtually the same thing, but let's not talk about that. Right. And so character in in our world today, outside of the church, there's a lot of hypocrisy. There's a lot of judgmentalism. There's a lot of kind of making up your own standard and your own law based on what character should look like. Um, And in the church, it can be similar. You know, we we can accuse people of, um, of 
violating things that actually aren't sin. <laughs> you know, if someone does something that offends our sensibilities, mm-hmm. all of a sudden their character is called into question, and, and yet we, we rarely say, is this actually biblically a, a sin? Mm-hmm. And so we can be pretty judgmental about things like that, and, and we can even overlook things that, that are sin. And we're in, a, we're in a season right now where the church is kind of heartbroken over, you know, someone who for a long time has been, not, not our church in particular, but the, the church at large, mm-hmm. there, there's been a, <clears throat> a leader in, in the, the church evangelicalism, an apologist, Rabbi Zacharias, yeah, yeah. who for a long time was looked to for a lot of wisdom. And, you know, I, he's, he's led a lot of people to seek the Lord and to trust the gospel. And he passed away last year. Mm-hmm. And, and now it came out that there was an investigation and the investigation shows that he was um, abusive toward people and sexual situations. Yeah. He really was um, pursuing um, kind of a double lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, speaking about Christ publicly and then and then really behind the scene being manipulative, being lustful, acting on um, sinful desires. And uh, man, that's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I, I um, I've got some Rabbi Zacharias books. I've referenced them. I don't think I've ever read one cover to cover, mm-hmm. but I know people that that they have been moved deeply by his ministry and mm-hmm. it's aided them in, cr- in incredible ways. And now they're kind of reeling, right? It's mm-hmm. like, man, what a heartbreak. It what is. a heartbreak. And that, that's, that's not just this individual. I actually, you and I in, in the offices yesterday had a conversation that I, I know for me, it seems like every generation has their Christian heroes or like these authors or these, these people who become these big names and it, it becomes really easy to start like buying into their stock and to see this, see them rise and think, Oh man, their ministry is great. And there's a part of you that's like, man, I, I wish I I could have a ministry like theirs to reach as many people as they, they, they can. And then to see their character come into question or to see their, something happened and where they, they fall out of uh, grace with the public, I guess. It's, it's really challenging. Yeah. It's really challenging. But it, it's also kind of an encouragement for us. I mean, this is the conversation we had yesterday to uh, keep an eye on our own character as well, too, because I think it'd be really easy to get lost in your own hype sometimes. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, there's a lot we're going to say about this in terms of character. Before we get into that, I would say this is why the, the local church is really important. This yes. is why it's important to have godly elders that are, you know, they're accountable to one another. You know, you and I, we're, we're in a sense accountable to each other. You, mm-hmm. you can come to me and say, hey, Mike, I see this in you. What's going on? And I come to you and, and say the same thing. And, and we have a, a trust and mm-hmm. an ability to be humble and... Um, you know, and, and I've got elders that are, you know, more than happy to call me to the carpet if, if, <laughs> if I need it and, and my character is not showing what it needs to be. And, mm-hmm. and there's even times where maybe we, we disagree over that and we've got to work through it. And that's, that's a healthy thing, right? It is. Yeah. I, I see, you know, and I, I don't know the inner workings of Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries, but it seems to me like he was disconnected from the authority of a local church. He didn't have those elders kind of keeping watch over his soul. He was the big wig with the big voice and, and the big power. And so... I wonder if I was on his board or whatever, there, there wasn't any voice of, you know, what's really going on in your life mm-hmm. or a voice of accountability. I mean, and so those are all things that, you know, as, as a local church, I thank God for the way he's designed it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly don't want to be the, uh, the, the only one at the top of an organization that has no visibility in my right. life, you know, and, and part of that, you know, is I got a wife that's happy to, to remind me of my, uh-huh. my, uh, <laughs> My need for the gospel yeah. and, and for Christ. So I, I think what people tend to forget is that church is not a social gathering. I mean, it, there's an aspect of that, but it's it's about 
people coming to, it's about God being glorified as mm-hmm. we are confronted by our sin and in front of his holy standard. And so having this hard discussions and being challenged in those ways, like, you know, we, we talked about the sermon and this last weekend and people, you know, re- re- remembering that God's not done with them there, that they're still continuing mm-hmm. to grow and to learn all these things. That's supposed to be a natural occurrence in the Christian life. And so when you aren't plugged into a local church, right, we actually, the conversation the other day was about consumer Christianity, where it's mm-hmm. easy to, right now, that the article you and I read was like, it, it, it is, you could go on to YouTube right now, you could find all sorts of different pastors, there are podcasts, there are all sorts of people who are just talking about the Bible. And if someone says something you don't like, you can easily say, well, I don't like this, you can turn it off and find someone else that will tell you something you want to hear. Or you can work through why you don't like something. Maybe it is biblical. Maybe God's convicting you. But if you're not plugged into something that's going to walk with you and to challenge you and to hold you accountable, but also support you and stand with you as you are going through situations, you're, you're missing out on what the church is supposed to be. That's right. That, I mean, even for our listeners right now, maybe you're listening to this and you're not part of Valley. You, you live somewhere else. We, we, you know, we don't have the, a giant you know, audience, but we do know there are people that listen that are from other places in in the States. And I don't even remember the metrics, but you know, that's the reality is you might be listening to this and and you probably not part of Valley, maybe not be part of Valley, man. If you're not part of a local church, you need to find one. You need to find one that talks about Jesus and the gospel and his death and resurrection all the time. You need to find one that teaches from the Bible. You need to find one that has strong biblical elders, men of character. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that, that when you you find that, that's the, that's the environment that growth happens. You know, what's kind of cool. It's like, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, how do I find a good church? There's actually some of our early podcasts was the nine marks of a healthy church. So you can go back and talk about, you know, biblical preaching and and everything else. And those are, those are things that, that can help you find a, a good Bible believing church, because there are, there are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of organizations out there that claim Christ, but honestly, I I would have to say they're they're not doing the work of, of true gospel ministry. So anyway, you know, scripture speaks, Paul tells Timothy to watch your life and doctrine for by them many will be saved. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think for, for us, you know, that, that doctrine side is really important. And we, 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 hallmark it. We strive to be accurate. We don't claim that we're perfect in our doctrine, but we work really hard to, to evaluate and analyze what we teach according to the word of God. And, you know, we, we might miss stuff, right? Um, but the other part of that is life. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about character. And Jonathan Edwards, he had, he has a bunch of resolutions around character. Uh, you could actually argue that probably all of them revolve around character, but some of them explicitly land in the realm of character. And so we, instead of going through, I think he has nine or 10 of them just directly about character, instead of going through all of them today, because that would be a, a rather long podcast, we've kind of just sifted through them and said, hey, here's, here's a few for today that, that really kind of frame the internal mindset. And the next week, we're going to talk about some of the more explicit external character resolutions. And then we'll end in a few weeks with, with a few that kind of just wrap it all up and just like this picture of character overall. Yeah. Um, and, and we've learned as we walk through this that Jonathan Edwards is wordy. And not only is he wordy, but it's a different kind of wordiness than we're used to in, in 21st century America. It's like old English, man. And so I've, yeah. I've summarized these in kind of shorthand or in, in just a, a really brief sentence. And then, and then we have his actual resolution. And so, um, I don't know, do you want to read the shorthand summary or do you want to read the, uh, the Edwards version? I'll try the Edwards stuff. That's always a... A good exercise for the brain. All right. Well, then I'll go ahead and I'll start with, uh, I'll read 
my summary. So this is my summary or my kind of, yeah, summary of, of resolution eight. And it's resolved to see myself as wretched in my sin. Okay. So resolution eight is resolved to act in all respects, both speaking and doing as if nobody had been so vile as I, and as if I had committed the same sins or had the same infirmities or failings as others, and that I will let the knowledge of their failings promote nothing but shame in myself, improve only on an occasion for of my confessing of my sins and misery to God. Yeah. Ooh. In light of what we just talked about with Rabbi Zacharias, this is giant. Yeah. You know, here's here's what we're saying. The, the breakdown again. My summary: resolved to see myself as wretched in my sin. He he says, I want to in every respect when I'm speaking and whatever I'm doing, I want to I want to think of myself as as if I've been the most vile person ever. Mm-hmm. He, he's really saying I'm not I'm not going to allow a whiff of arrogance or pride or spiritual superiority to to be part of my mind frame, part of the way I act, part of the way I speak. He says, especially if I look at someone else who's messed up. And so we can look at this example on our news right now with, with this, you know, evangelical leader that has clearly, he messed up Mm -hmm. because I want to look at that person as if I have committed the same sins I've had the same infirmities, the, the same failings as them, and I want to allow the knowledge of what they've done wrong to produce nothing inside of me besides shame and lead me to confess my own sin in my misery before God, right? I mean, this is, this is talk about a humble approach. It would be so easy for us to throw stones. Mm-hmm. It'd be so easy for us to look at the failings of other people and say, well, at least I'm not that person, right? I mean, we... We can walk around Longview. We can go find someone in, in the town who's, you know, it's pretty easy sometimes to look at someone visibly and say, yeah, they're really, they're really going off the deep end. Yeah. We, we can open up our social media. And I, I've got friends from high school <laughs> that are, I'm friends with on social media and the things they post. And, and I, I can just look at them and say, man, I'm glad I'm not that, that guy, right? That, that's not what that's meant to do. Right. This resolution says, when I look at other people and their sin, I, I look twice as hard at me mm-hmm. in my own sin, in my own vileness. And, and, uh, and the, the reality is we never get past looking at our sin because we never get past wrestling with sin. Mm-hmm. There, there's no such thing as a believer that says, okay, I've got all this sin thing figured out. And uh, you know what? I do great and I don't sin anymore. Even the apostle Paul in Romans 7, he recognized the, the tension and the challenge and the difficulty of dealing with the, the, your sinful fallen nature. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean your old desires disappear. It means you're no longer bound by them. You're no longer controlled and ruled by them. But those desires, they still exist. The devil still tempts. He still deceives. Paul talks about this in in Romans 7. Would you mind just start by reading verses uh, 15 through 20? 15 through 20? Yeah, it says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do, do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want 
is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So, so Paul here, he's a new man. He, he has been redeemed. He's been regenerated. He's been given new life. He's been made a new creation. And yet he recognizes I've got this old flesh and it, it, it's at war. It's at war with the newness and, and at times it wins. And so there's times where I, I do the thing I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Now we got to remember, I mean, Paul was literally, he was part of persecuting the church. Yeah. Paul likely had some anger issues. <laughs> he was breathing murderous threats against the early New Testament believers. Um, you know, he was there at the stoning of Stephen, the, mm-hmm. the, the martyrdom, the death, the execution of a, a, a Christian. And so Paul, Paul had these external sins. Well, I don't think here he's talking about, well, I'm still killing people and I'm still abusing people. I think here he's recognizing the depth of his, his depravity, mm-hmm. the, 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 the depth of his sinful thoughts and of his anger and of his pride and of his arrogance and, and of his lust. Maybe, I don't know. He, he's recognizing this, this battle is internal. Right. I think one thing that people need to recognize is that as you grow in your faith in Christ, as you grow in the gospel, what happens is a lot of these uh, external things that we do that are brokenness, that are sinful, you're like, oh man, these are, these are crazy. But as you start to live your life and as you start to study the word of God, you start to recognize like these deeper things. These, these, these moments of anger, this, these lustful moments or these frustrations, these, these, deeper, these deeper signs of brokenness. And in that, I, I don't know, it's, it's for me as, I, I've, as I've seen that, you start to realize, man, I am broken. Look at this. Look at how I thought I was this way. But you know what? Here's another sign of a deeper level of my brokenness, and it's wretched before God. Now, that, if we leave it there... <laughs> That can sound really depressing. Yeah, we don't leave it there, though. Let's keep reading. Yeah, let's keep reading. You want to go through 21 through 24? Yep. Okay. So 21 through 24 says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in, the inner, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Yeah. and I mean, you used that word wretched a moment ago, and you used it because that's where this text is leading us. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of this battle inside of me, right? In a sense, he says, I'm done, right? I mean, that's actually... We're in the series on the law of God. Our next series for Easter, we're talking about what do you do when you reach the end of your rope and you're tired of your sin and you're tired of, of whatever kind of holds you down. And uh, in a lot of ways, that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, wretched man am I, who will save me? Who will save me from this body of sin? And then we get this glorious verse, verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Chapter eight, verse one, it continues, says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, what what Paul says, he says, I am wretched who will save me. And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, because, because even though I struggle, even though I am wretched, Jesus has saved me. And so because of that, because of that, chapter 8, verse 1, because I have trusted in Jesus and his death and resurrection, even in my vileness, 
even when I outwardly have sinned and even my inward evil thoughts, there is no condemnation. God no longer has aimed his wrath at me. He is no longer against me because I was an enemy of him. Because of Christ, I now stand not guilty. There's, no, there's not one ounce of condemnation mm-hmm. laid upon me. This is the glorious gospel truth that we're talking about. And so that, that speaks to that, that journey for us. Is like As we start to see the depths of our wretchedness, as we start to see more and more of our own brokenness and how deep it really goes, it's not a moment of despair because really in that moment you can stop and rest. Like, man, Christ has covered me. And so for me, I guess, I, I think I've seen this in you too, that when, when we are, especially when we're taking like sacraments, right? When we take the Lord's Supper, as I sit there and I have like, I, as I've listened to the word, as I engage with it, I can see just more and more of like just brokenness in myself. I just think, thank you, Lord, because I am a broken man and I, I need Christ. And that, that is a great thing in that moment because the gospel becomes a greater, like it, it just continu- continually becomes good news. It's, it's amazing. This is his resolution. My summary of it resolved to see myself as wretched in my sin. This is just, this is not to walk around saying, oh, I'm a terrible person all the time and I'm worthless and I'm garbage. This is, this is that remembrance of, of how I deserve nothing but God's wrath. Mm-hmm. And he has now given me nothing but his grace and mercy and love. It, it is, it's an overwhelming, beautiful thing. And when we remember our ability to sin, we remember when we remember our sin, it keeps us, it keeps us humble, especially when we see someone fall. It keeps us humble, not having the spiritual like audacity or, or authority or, you know, pride, right? Yeah. And, and this is actually the next resolution I want to talk about. Because not only does he say, resolved to see myself as wretched in my sin, but the second one, my summary of it is resolved to kill my pride. Resolved to kill my pride. Why don't you go ahead and read the actual um, writing of Jonathan Edwards? Yeah, resolved. If I take delight in it as a gratification of pride or vanity or on any such account, immediately to throw it by. (laughs) Yeah. The moment I start to take delight in in my pride or in my vanity, here's what he's saying. The moment I say, man, I am, I'm doing so good as a Christian, man, I'm reading my Bible every day, man, I'm praying. You know what? It's been a while since I've done this wrong thing. Oh, and you know what? My, my, my neighbor, he, he really messes up all the time or Rabbi Zacharias, man, he has really wrecked things, man. I am doing so awesome. Jonathan Edwards says, the moment I sense any kind of pride or vanity, he says, his words, throw it by. He says, I'm going to throw it away. My, my term is, I'm going to kill my pride. Yeah. I'm going to repent of it. I'm going to say, God, it's only by your grace and mercy. God, I don't deserve anything. God, help me not to be full of pride. Instead, help me to be humble. Humble, right? Yeah, and that's that's incredibly challenging. I know there are some guys out there that I talk to that take pride in their ability to work or their ability to get things done. That's something something that like as I've grown in the last couple of years, like I, I do, I like getting after things. It, but in the last like year or so, I've had to really take a step back and look at it. It's like it's not me though. This is this is God working through me. Thank God that He has changed me to be like this, that it's him that sustains me. And it's something I have to keep reminding myself because it's, I, I think culturally they say that men find uh, self-worth in their ability to provide and to work. And that 
in my mind right now, it's, it's, a, it's a practice of just giving it over to God. My God, you have done this. You have done this. You have given and keep, don't stop giving God the glory for the work that is being done. That's right. Yeah. This doesn't mean, you know, I'm not going to do anything cause I'd be prideful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it actually, it's attributing a, a proper understanding yeah. is I'm going to do everything I possibly can recognizing that everything that I've accomplished is by God's grace. That's right. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And you know, the scripture speaks about pride all over the place. It, it really, it emphasizes the, the danger of it. I think about passages, you know, the, the Proverbs, the wisdom book, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it just recognizes, you know, if you you got this pride, especially this pride, it says, look how awesome I am. You, you're setting yourself up for a fall. You're setting, you're setting yourself up for something you do not want to experience. Jesus talks about this, Matthew 23, 12. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You, you know what I would much rather have? Rather than me doing everything I can to exalt myself, I'd rather have in God's timing, God exalt me to whatever he wants to exalt me to. Yeah. I guarantee he's going to raise me up higher than I ever could myself. <laughs> and, and you know, this is, this is why we go to the gospel all mm-hmm. the time. Because it's not like, look at how awesome we are. Look at how moral I am. It's look at what God's done. Look at how God saved me. You know, pride is an interesting topic because in that usually there is a, um, there is a discussion that comes with false modesty as well too. Cause it's, it's easy to be like, Hey, you know, you did a good job with this. And you respond with like, no, no, it's not me. It's not me. Like, and you, because you, you think about that you're not supposed to be prideful. So you kind of, you, you, you do the dance and you pretend to be modest or something like that. What, what do you think of this, Mike? Cause I, I've wrestled with this for a long time that I, in my mind, being confident in what God is doing in you and through you is one thing versus taking a selfish pride. So I, I've wrestled with this idea of it's okay to be confident and know like this is what God is doing in me and through me, and I will do this for his glory. And when someone congratulates me, I will confidently say it is God that has gifted me to be able to do this. Because some people would look at that and be like, that sounds really arrogant. That, <clears throat> yeah. My thoughts. So the most public thing I do, mm-hmm. I preach. Week after week. Mm-hmm. Some days it's probably a, a stinker. Some weekends is, is probably really good, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Regularly, I've, I, I get comments, you know, thank you, or wow. You know, people really appreciate it, and, and they compliment. Mm-hmm. And in that, well, what do you do? <laughs> Thanks, yeah. man. It's, I yeah. know, it was really awesome, right? Like, right. W- w- everyone who does anything publicly and gets feedback like that, they have to come to terms. How do I respond to that? And I, I try to have my response be, thank you so much. I hope it brings glory to God. Uh, you know, like I, I try to recognize, okay, mm-hmm. I, I put hours into it. I, I, I'm doing the best I can. I'm not just like, hey, it's, you know, Saturday afternoon. I better, you know, whip something together. Yeah. It, it, a lot of labor goes into it. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and oftentimes when, when someone wants to have a little bit more in-depth conversation, I say, hey, you want to know the secret to preaching? Say what God says, <laughs> you know, like, like point out what God has said in the scripture, make it easy for people to see. This is not Mike's idea. This is what God has said. Mm-hmm. And that really like, you know, it recognizes the, the genuine compliment someone gives you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But, but it doesn't tell me more, <laughs> you know, thank you. May the glory be to God. Yeah. You know, I thank God that he's allowed me to do this. That's, that's kind of how I try to approach it. I think that's a fair way of saying mm-hmm. God's allowing me to do this. Mm-hmm. And if it's not for him, I'm not doing it. And that's, I think that's the, the wrestle at times because it's, as you grow in, 
your your service to God, whether it be a children's director, whether it be someone who cooks for the homeless or something like that, you, you have these skills, these abilities. We talk about spiritual gifts in the body, right? God has designed you and created you. And we, I think it's okay for people to be confident in God's calling of you because it's at the end of the day, the glory needs to go to God. We're involved, but just like you said, like your calling is to be a preacher, a teacher and, and those things. And you do all that you can because God is worthy of that. And it's still God who gifted you with those things. So it'd be, it'd be, per- I think it would be arrogant to be like, yeah, look at what I can do. I'm so good at this and to not give glory to God in that. But I also think it's, it doesn't give God glory when I'm like, when it's your calling and then God's like, you're like, no, I don't know. I I, it's okay. I don't, I'm not here to do this or it's, it's, my point, I guess, is, like, is uh, there's a wrestle between, uh, I think sometimes people confuse selfish pride and a, a confidence in God and what he, and, you, and in that relationship as you've been growing in that. Yeah. And I think different tasks, you, you approach it different ways, but, but for me, you know, if, if I, if I'm preaching and I get zero feedback, but I'm really confident that it's God's word, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with zero feedback. Mm-hmm. Like if I get zero compliments or something, you know, you know, is it nice to hear something? Yeah, it is. But, but I think before you step into that realm, you, you just got to say, I'm going to do what I think's right. I'm yeah. going to say what needs to be said, regardless of, of how it lands. Mm-hmm. And, and if God chooses to use it in a way that blesses someone and they tell you, well, awesome, you know? Yeah. You, you see that. Cause it's, it's interesting to me. So I use the word, cause sometimes you'll ask me like, you know, what did you think of like when I, when I preached like Andrew, what'd you think of your prep or when you, when you go spoke at, like I, I spoke at that youth conference the other week, I like to use the word faithful mm-hmm. because that you, you talked about like, uh, Oh, Saturday night, I better figure out something like, dude, I remember being like in my young twenties and like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think about the message this weekend. I got to whip something out together for youth group or, or something like that. I had to grow in that yeah. growing to sometimes even especially talking to kids, you get to this point where like, this needs to be said. Oh, but if I say this, I know it's going to offend this person over there. And I used to cower from that. Cause like, oh, I don't want to be offensive. And it's like, no, we got to be faithful mm-hmm. to the word of God That's and right. just getting out there to, to, to say that kind of stuff. And so I, man, faithfulness and giving God glory and allowing him to do what he, whatever he's going to do. Cause I've been, I'm sure you've experienced this when you've walked away from a message and you're like, what was that? You're just thinking, you're just like, that was terrible. And then people are like, oh my gosh, that spoke to me. I'm repentant. I'm like, this is what's happening now. And you think to yourself, oh man, God is good because that was not my best at that moment. <laughs> you know, these, these are, if we're starting with these resolutions about character, we're really handling two today. Yeah. And the two summaries are resolve to see myself as wretched in my sin. Now, remember that points us to the gospel and the forgiveness and the new creation that we are. And then resolve to kill my pride. You know, these, these two really are the same thing. They are. Yeah. They're saying, I am not going to get a big head. <laughs> I'm not going to think so much of myself, but instead I'm going to think much of Christ. I'm going to recognize my weakness and I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my attention on the gospel. And so that's my encouragement. If you're listening here, maybe you should make these same resolution resolutions. Maybe you should say, you know what? First things I'm going to do is I'm going to resolve to see myself as who I really am in my sin. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not going to ignore it. When I look at someone else in their sin, I'm going to have compassion on them and not feel an arrogance or look at how I'm so much better than them. But really, I'm going to allow someone's sin to to provoke my own shame and my own sinfulness. And then, then along with that, I'm going to resolve to the moment I feel pride, 
the moment I feel like oh, I'm so much better than someone else, I'm going to throw it away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill that. I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to fall down on my face. I'm going to say, God, I'm sorry for this. I repent. I, I remember that it's only by your grace. If, if we start there, I'll tell you what, the rest of these resolutions, they'll just kind of fall in place. Um, if, we, if we remember the gospel, we remember our need, and we remember the Savior, we'll, we'll find the rest of these character resolutions will start to make sense more and more. Yeah. I, I like that we started with the internal stuff. And I, I think that's where we always need to start. It's just what's going on inside of us. And so I think next week we're going to go into the external stuff, right? Yeah. So, all right. And, and they overlap. Yeah. And the, even these can be considered external as well in some mm-hmm. ways. But the, yeah, as I try to categorize them, more explicitly external. Well, and a lot of things that we talk about, especially in the Christian faith, like we, you can't go very far until you deal with what's going on on the inside. And so it's, it's good to always just talk about pride because pride, pride creeps up in like some of the weirdest ways, you know, even that false modesty I was talking about earlier, that's still prideful. That's mm-hmm. you. It's focusing on you is what's happening there. <laughs> so, well, Mike, I think, I think we've come to the end of today's conversation then. Uh, would you go ahead and pray for, for our listeners? Yep. Father, I thank you so much that you have sent your son, Jesus, that he he loved us in our our wretched in our wretched state in our rebellion and our sin through his death and resurrection our sin has been washed away we've been forgiven and made new and, and as we remember this glorious gospel truth father I pray that you would help it not to um, not to cause us to to have our heads grow <laughs> and that we become inflated with a sense of our own self importance. I pray that you would cause it instead to keep us humble, that you would help us to remember that, that every one of us is one decision away from, from some of the deepest sin that we could find ourselves in. Help us to remember our weakness. Help us to be uh, constantly mindful of the shame that our sin brings. And, and so because of that, Lord, help us to just depend all the more upon you and the grace that you've given us. Help us to be compassionate toward those who fall into sin. Help us to love them well and guide them toward toward your grace. And God, for for, for maybe those of us that are listening that maybe are, are actually wrestling with some major sin, you know, a sin that is taking root and, and causing us maybe even to live a double life, I pray that you would, um, you, you would help us to remember that there is no condemnation in you that would lead us to repent not just before you, but, but with trusted spiritual friends and advisors that can walk with us and help us, that, that can help create those guardrails in our lives that keep us from um, living one way in one situation and another way in another situation. And ultimately, God, I pray that you would allow us to glorify Christ in everything we do. Help, help us to be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.